Principal Matters Podcast, episode 383. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm joined by my co-host. Who's in the room with me today? <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Jen Schwanke, and it's so good to be back with all of you. Jen Schwanke, Deputy Superintendent of Dublin City Schools in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of a lot of books. In fact, Jen Schwanke is the author of a new book, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, because Jen, I, I, I just want to set the stage. Uh, you and I have known each other now for, gosh, four or five, probably longer. Yeah, I think it's, it's been like more like five years, because... The first time that we met was when I was still working for our state principals association and you had just, um, you, your book, you're the principal now what was, um, a hot commodity it still is. And one of my colleagues at the time, Gracie branch, who was the executive director of the elementary association at that time, reached out to you and invited you to zoom into a luncheon that we were hosting with new principals who had been studying your book. And that was the moment when you were zooming into that room that I was like, um, Jen's going to be my new friend because, (laughs) and so I reached back and said, can you come on the show and talk about your book? And you did. And then eventually, of course, uh, you began to be such a, uh, a frequent guest that you became the co-host of the show. We just got along so well. We were like, let's just do this more, shall we? And here we are years later. (laughs) And so I'm just so excited to, to talk to leaders about your newest book. And so let's take just a moment and set the stage for um, what prompted you to write a book on principles and hard conversations. Set this book up for us. Tell us a little bit about it. And of course, we're recording this before its release date. But by the time this comes out in February, Principal Matters listeners, you will be able to reach out for Jen Schwanke's new book. So Jen, set the stage for us. What prompted you to write this book and then give us a little bit of feedback on the principles guide to conflict management? Okay. Yes. We'll dive in. Now, first, I really want to say something to our listeners. Everyone, one of the best things about working closely with William D. Parker is he really is genuinely happy for others when good things happen to them. And he truly, he's not competing for leadership space. He's making room for all of us. So a a huge shout out to Will for not being a competitive leader, but being an inclusive leader. And he always, listeners, I'm talking to you, not Will, he always says, let's talk about what you're doing. And that's what he does with all of his guests. So I'm I'm honored to be here, but I also want to emulate who you are, Will, and make sure that I'm making space for other leaders too. Thanks, Jen. So um, yes, of course, it's it's the truth. So this book is is in some ways the book I've been working up toward all along, right? So I've I've written a book for new principals, I've written a book for veteran principals called The Principal Reboot, and I wrote the teacher's principal. But all along, I was very fascinated by by the topic of having difficult conversations. But I didn't want to write that book because many people have done that work. And you you recently had a, a guest, Jennifer Abrams, who has done a lot of work in that space too. Mm-hmm. And I found that I wanted to take it to kind of the sister topic of hard conversations and talk about conflict. And so 
I proposed this topic to my editor. I said, hey, could we write a book for principles about conflict management? And um, Will, you and I actually had a side conversation once and you said, Jen, why didn't you just make it for all educators? And um, in a lot of ways, the book is for all educators. It is for teachers too. But my safe space is principles, right? So I I did write it from the lens of a school leader or a coach or a um, assistant principal, a coordinator, whatever, because the truth is our jobs are conflict. They are about conflict. They're about managing it, facilitating it, intervening. Um, but I wanted to make some distinctions between some of those concepts. And so this book is, it's, it's got a lot in it and it's broken down into um, two, two parts. It's not labeled as such, but the first half of the book talks about common conflicts in schools. It talks about the complications that come with conflict. We talk about healthy conflict versus unproductive conflict. We talk about mindset skills. That by the way, is one of the, the most fun I had writing the chapter about mindset skills for successful conflict management. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I'm not going to go down that road yet. Um, we talk about anticipating, analyzing, and acting, which is kind of an, a cycle that I wanted to introduce in this book where a principal or a leader would anticipate when there's going to be problems or conflict and react, analyze conflict that does come and react, and then act when there needs to be an intervention. And then the second half of the book shifts into specific conflicts that are very common, the conflicts that we do face a lot. So a conflict with teachers, a conflict with students, conflicts between staff and parents. And then the final chapter is when the conflict is you. <laughs> and so that, that chapter asks readers to, you know, do a self audit and consider some difficult questions about, you know, their leadership in a scenario where there's always conflict around you, it might be you. <laughs> and then if so, what you can do about that. Jen, I'm so excited for Principal Matters listeners to get a copy of this book. And because you are an ASCD author, there's also a study guide that's going to be available. And we'll talk a little bit later about some of the things you and I are dreaming about for listeners who may want to interact with this book and content and with you. But let's park for just a moment on what you just said about common conflicts in schools, healthy versus unhealthy. Because here's the thing I I think I discovered about myself as a leader is <laughs> this ridiculous notion that if I just worked hard enough, someday I'm going to show up to peace and there will be no conflict. You know, it's like this, this like this if ethereal, uh, right. this fable that we create for ourselves that if we just do it all right, there will be no conflict. Why is that just not true? And, and, and why does that help us to distinguish between the difference between healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict? Right. The utopia that you're looking for would mean you don't have a job anymore, right? Because principals are hired to manage conflict. That's what the job is. And much like you, Will, I always thought someday if I work hard enough and I get the right systems in place and the right people doing the right things, it will, there will be no more problems. And it was actually my dad who said to me once, honey, stop trying to eliminate problems, start embracing them when they come. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that a lot in this book. Don't wish for a school without conflict. It's not going to happen. Instead, wish for people 
students, parents, teachers who know how to address conflict in a healthy way and accept it, embrace it, want it. And by that, I mean, there are a lot of really positive, productive things that come out of conflict. And in the book and and right now, I ask principals to say, let's think of a time where there was a conflict that maybe gave you a little bit of a stomach ache. And in the end, everything was better because you had that conflict. Think about what worked. Was it open and honest communication? Was it um, getting the right people at the table to really study the problem? Was it time? What was it that was the antecedent to making that conflict a positive thing? And I think we could spend an entire episode on that. We could pull out maybe five or six common challenges that school leaders face. And we could say, okay, this challenge is embedded in conflict. How can we get to the outcome we want by using this conflict as a springboard springboard for the right conversations? Well, and I think that leads into, Jen, the word that you use, which is mindsets. And so... um I think you're already going there, but I, I just want to stay there a little bit longer. Why is the mindset that you have about conflicts just as important as the tools for stepping into conflict right. and resolving them? Right. I think the mindset that we use when we walk toward conflict, and I use those words very deliberately, we walk toward it, is everything. If we approach conflict with dread, with fear, with anger, with resentment, then we're walking toward a conflict with a mindset of negativity and failure. Mm -hmm. But I list in, in the book, I list, I think it's 10 or 11 mindsets that are so much more healthy and productive. And I'm going to spin through them very quickly. But in each case, you know, listeners might want to click the rewind button 15 seconds to really think about all of these words. Patience is one. Conflict, so often our instinct is fix it, right? And that comes because a lot of us are teachers. And when, when kids have conflicts, we separate them or we um, distract them or we move on and, and then it's over. Many times, especially with adult conflicts, we need to be very patient and we need to understand the conflict is telling us something. We might not know what it's telling us yet, but it's telling us something very important. Poise is another mindset. Poise is something that I work on. I want to be poised. I want to be um, attuned, attentive, have my equanimity, so to speak. Another one is eloquence. A lot of time with conflict no one's saying what they mean. No one's meaning what they say. No one is articulating clearly what the conflict really is rooted in. And so the ability to boil a conflict down and communicate what's really at issue in an eloquent way is a it is much needed in school leadership. Another one is curiosity. That mindset was a game changer for me. When I stopped thinking about conflict as a problem or a, um, a, a mountain to cross and started thinking of it as, huh, wonder what this is about. I wonder why that person's reacting emotionally. I wonder why we have anger or fear or anxiety here. To dig into it with a curious mindset rather than, you know, a hammer looking for nails <laughs> is, is very helpful. Confidence, 
I think a lot of times if we go into a conflict and we say, listen, we're going to figure this out. It's okay. We got this. That confidence to navigate it can really take us a long way. Now that's a lot of me talking. Should I keep going? I want you to keep going. Patience, (laughs) poise, eloquence, curiosity, confidence. Keep going. And my next one, one of my favorite mindsets is empathy. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I really want to get in a conflict with somebody today, right? Usually everyone enters conflict with reluctance. And we have to remember that and have empathy for it. So if I walk into a room and I'm going to mediate, say, between two students or between a teacher and a colleague or whatever, I need to realize they don't want to be there. This is hard stuff, right? Everybody's feeling badly. And I need to bring my empathy to that conversation. Another one is trust. Trust is such an overused word because we it's, it's like love, right? We know what it is, but we can't really define it. Trust, if you walk into a conflict with trust that everyone does have good intentions, everyone does want this to be resolved and have the ability to, to accept what others say and learn from it, trusting in that process is an important mindset. Another one is attentiveness. I've made a mistake before where I was only 80% engaged when I was trying to mediate a conflict or when I was part of a conflict to say, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to give every bit of myself to this conflict, whether it's as a mediator, a facilitator, an intervener, I'm going to do this right. That's an important mindset. Clarity. Clarity is something that we talk about as being a um, important, important if we want a resolution. We all have to be very clear on where we're going as we work through this conflict. Principals tend to be very good at that when they're working with students. Okay, here's what happened. Here's going to be the consequence. Here's how we're going to move on. We're not so good at that when we're talking with other adults. So that's an important mindset to have. I mentioned earlier equanimity. That's another mindset I talk about. Equanimity is the mental state of being calm in crisis and being assured that things will work out. Um, You know, a lot of people pick a word for the year. I have for the last 10 years picked equanimity because I haven't mastered it yet. (laughs) Equanimity is is a great word and a great goal and a wonderful mindset. And the last two, character, doing the right thing in a conflict, not picking sides, not showing favoritism, not aligning with a click, doing the right thing when no one's watching. When you think through a conflict and what you're going to do, that's when you pull on your character. And then the final one, we kind of opened with this, is a mindset of acceptance. If you go into a conflict and you think this is normal, this is, this happens. This is what happens when you put you know, hundreds or in some cases thousands of people together in a school building. There's going to be conflict. Let's accept that. And again, learn to embrace it as part of the process. Wow, Jen. Patience, poise, eloquence, curiosity, confidence, empathy, trust, attentiveness, clarity, equanimity, character, and acceptance. Yeah, it's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And if you're taking if you're taking notes like I did, I'd look up equanimity, E-Q-U-A-N-I-M-I-T-Y. So just in case you're trying to write right. things down like I am. Jen, what I love about that is the deep dive that you're doing into the mindsets that we need in other words, checking ourselves first before we're stepping into conflict so that we have the right thoughts, the right emotions, the right perspective as we're stepping in. I'm just thinking of a funny story, and this is not to be a criticism of someone else, but it was 
with a student in my, maybe my third year as an assistant principal, I was new to a, um, a site and this student had been called into my office. Uh, she was probably a junior student. I don't know if she'd been there for a few years, but this was my first year in that building. So she'd been there for, I think this would be her third year. And as we were talking about her attendance and I was trying to probe and understand the motivations for why she was struggling so much, she finally just stopped and said, you're new here, right? And I said, yeah, why do you say that? And she said, because the person that you replaced, we knew each other a lot too, but he wasn't very curious. He didn't ask, he didn't ask right. any of these questions that you're asking. And I had to pause for a second and, and think she's being funny, but she's also recognizing I'm present and I'm trying to understand you. And I'm trying to do something more than just come into this situation, find a solution and move forward. Why is that so important, Jen? And not just with kids, but with adults too. Well, yeah, I, I think that's, first of all, good for that person for pointing out that curiosity helped her feel safer in the conversation, right? Because if if we're in conflict and someone is trying to help us work through it, if they're really genuinely, genuinely curious about what got us here and what's going on in our heads, there's a lot of reassurance with that. Um, I always like it when someone says to me, tell me what you're thinking. And they really hear me, right? And so conflict, again, conflict indicates that there's chaos, that we're not thinking clearly, that there's a problem, that we're fighting for something, we're fighting to win or we're fighting to be right. And those kinds of of mind swirls, so to speak, create um, create lanes. We get in a lane and that's that's what we're thinking. We're, we're fighting for something. Curiosity forces those involved to explain or at least think about why they're in that lane. What is it you're trying to win? Where is it that you got offended? What happened to make you react this way? And I think it's important for students because they're learning the, how to answer those questions for themselves. I think it's important for adults for two reasons. One is because we forget to care what adults are thinking a lot of times. We think, we assume adults are thinking clearly. They're not always, right? So that's the first reason. And the second reason it's important to be curious is so that we learn about the team from which we will find improvement and growth. We want to learn how others tick, so to speak. So that curiosity component will make us better, will make them better, and will make the organization better. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. Everyone talks about the power of data-driven instruction, but what does that actually look like? Look no further than IXL, the ultimate online learning and teaching platform for K-12. IXL gives you meaningful insights that drive real progress, and research can prove it. Studies across 45 states show that schools who use IXL outperform other schools on state tests. Educators who use IXL love that they can easily see how their school is performing in real time to make better instructional decisions. And IXL doesn't stop at just data. IXL also brings an entire ecosystem of resources for your teachers with a complete curriculum, personalized learning plans, and so much more. It's no wonder that IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts. Ready to join them? 
visit IXL.com backslash PM to get started. Support for Principal Matters comes from EduSkills. Are you ready to take your school district's multilingual program services to new heights? Introducing EduSkills, the leading software as a service platform for Title III and multilingual program support in K-12 education. EduSkills, founded and led by former educators, understands that multilingual students are an asset to the classroom and empowers educators to provide an equitable education so that all students thrive. EduSkills cutting-edge technology and services support large and small school districts across the nation with tools they need to enhance language acquisition, increase family engagement, foster inclusivity, and improve academic outcomes. With seamless implementation and comprehensive support, EduSkills ensures a smooth transition for your district, empowering educators to provide targeted instruction and personalized support. So why wait? Unlock the potential of your school district today with EduSkills. Visit their website at EduSkillsLLC.com or call now at 405-879-9898. That's EduSkillsLLC.com or call 405-879-9898 to schedule a demo. EduSkills, breaking barriers and building bridges for educators of multilingual students. So with that thought in mind, Jen, I want to ask you to speak to something that you talk about in chapter one of your book. And this is the importance of school leaders staying connected to the teacher experience. So just like students appreciate us being curious and trying to put ourselves back into their skin, why is it important if we're going to be conflict managers, if we're going to, because we'd step into a lot of conflicts with adults. Why is it, why is it important for principals to put themselves back into the shoes of that teaching experience that most of them have had? It's so easy as a principal, don't you think, Will, to, to lead from what works best for the school, like the 30,000 foot view, right? And, and if you, if we step back and we remember what was, what were the highest priorities as a teacher, what were the things that really got under our skin? If if we go into those places and we think, okay, I would feel the same way if I were that teacher. It's so much more productive than, oh my gosh, why is the teacher reacting that way? That is ridiculous. We so easily forget what it's like in the trenches because we're in a different trench. <laughs> we're all in trenches, but if we blow off or we, we eye roll, a teacher who's in some sort of a conflict and we say, Oh my gosh, I wish they're, they're not even thinking rationally. I wish they'd grow up. This is ridiculous. We are so discounting how they, what their trench is like. And so I think to step back into that place where we used to be. And if we can't do that, then to ask those curious questions and say, okay, tell me, tell me what you're thinking right now. What, what is it that triggered this, this moment we're in? It will connect us to that person and let them think they have an ally, even if we don't agree with their perspective and what they're bringing to the table, we'll understand it. There's something else that you've, I've seen you do this in some of the presentations, Jen, that you've brought to folks in person. Um, and I've also seen you explain this in some of the virtual settings that we've been in, but I want to bring it back to this conversation because I believe it's important 
to conflict resolution. And, th and that is your motivation model of a tree. Talk about why, why that's an important visual for you to keep in mind when you're stepping into, let's, let's assume that we're trying to stay connected to that teacher experience that we have that empathy that's necessary, the mindset that's necessary. Why is it necessary? Why is it important then to be able to kind of like a doctor diagnose what am I addressing here? Right, right. Well, well done, Will, on connecting those two um, concepts. My previous book was called The Teacher's Principle, and I, I outlined this analogy where the roots of a tree are, the, are a teacher's purpose, and they're deep and they're difficult to change. The trunk is our priorities. It's a, it can change, it can grow, it can bend, but our priorities are the things that we put first. And sometimes work is first, sometimes work is not first, um, but, but a lot of times that's where principles can make a huge difference is to bring that, those mindsets we talked about to a teacher's priorities and help them through them. And, and so like just a quick example, a teacher's priority might be fighting with the teacher across the hall on a certain day. Another day, a teacher's priority might be getting all the tests graded in time. Priorities change. And then the third part of the tree, the leaves and the branches are a teacher's habits, patterns, routines. Now, I think it's important to apply the concept of effective conflict management to a teacher's purpose, priorities, and patterns, because um, it is very possible for conflict to become a habit, for conflict to become a routine. There are people who thrive on conflict. They look for it. They create it. We call them pot stirrers, right? Then there's other people who run like heck from conflict. They don't want anything to do with it. They want to avoid drama. And that neither of those is necessarily the most healthy mindset. But there are a lot of times where a conflict arises and that has to become the highest priority because if we don't address it, it can become very negative and damaging and long-term too. Some silly little conflicts can, can leave people hurt and betrayed for years. And so the trick is to figure out what kind of conflicts are going to really damage your purpose, priorities, and patterns of your teachers and what conflicts in time and with patience are going to dissipate and just be a memory. So Jen, let me, let me come back to that analogy because this is such a great visual. So if I'm looking at a tree and I'm trying to understand the motivation of people in connection to that analogy, roots are their purpose, their internal motivation. What is, what, why is, what, what is this person's why in the, in the work that they're doing here? Because sometimes they need to be brought back to the why. They forget. Um, to the trunk is the priorities that they've chosen. So the, their targets, their um, maybe their planning, maybe the way that they've managed their schedule. The, these are kind of the things that they prioritized. Um, what they think is most important. What they're determining is important and urgent in the work that they're doing. And then the branches, which are growing out of that purpose and priority become the habits that they create, the patterns that they create. Um, and sometimes habits need to be checked because if I'm getting into a habit, for instance, of I'm a teacher standing in the hallway and talking to my colleagues and the bell's rung and my kids are waiting for me. And I'm now, I'm the one tardy to class, then I'm missing out on learning and someone might need to check my habit right. um, at some point. And sometimes that's the role of an admin who's observing that kind of behavior. So am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. 
Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And one thing I didn't say, but you did, thank you, is the the habits, routines, the patterns, those are easy to change. Usually that's just a quick intervention or a quick, you know, even sometimes an internal check where a teacher's like, oh, I've been late a lot lately. I got to get in there. So let's talk about teachers for a minute who, um, well, here's something else I love about your books is you're so practical and you're really good at giving like scenarios. So l let's wrap up this, this, this session, Jen, with a, with something tangible for leaders to, to think about. And, and I don't know if you want to step into a scenario or if you want to give some sense of, because you're also really good at scripting, you know, like this, this might be a conversation, but give us a sense of a conversation that a real life without divulging confidentiality sure, conversation sure. that, that a principal and a teacher may have that kind of a display some of those, um, some of the things that you're talking about here that can be seen in action. Right. So I'm going to give both. I'm going to give a scenario and I'm going to give a practical tip. My practical tip is my four tens rule. And I don't know if I've talked about this before in the podcast, but this is so helpful for me. I will ask myself, okay, is this problem something that's going to matter in 10 minutes? 10 days, 10 months, 10 years. If it's not going to matter in 10 minutes, let it go. If it's not going to matter in 10 hours, eh, maybe let it go. Maybe address a little something here or there, especially if it's a bigger problem that's going to re, you know, re pop up again. If it's going to matter in 10 months, you need to do something about it. Like it's going to affect your year. And if it's going to matter in 10 years, there needs to be a lot of time and attention to it. So let me give you an example. I was talking to a team member a couple years ago and she was so incredibly anxious about, I'm going to use the word fight, a fight she'd had with a colleague. It wasn't a physical fight, but they had really, they had confronted each other and gotten ugly, painful, hurtful things had been said. And the, the person said to me, I will never forget this. I will never forget this. And I said, okay, let's, let's think about this though. The argument you had in the hallway did it affect anyone else? Was anyone else hurt? Is it going to change how you teach or how, who you are as a person? Um, in other words, is it going to affect anyone else 10 minutes from now? She's like, well, no, but I will never get over it. Okay. So let's think about what my role is as the principal in helping you work through that. In my eyes, the school is not affected in 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 months, 10 years, but you are, you are deeply affected. Having that frame of mind helped me know how to help this person. I didn't want this person to wake up 10 years from now and still be angry and upset. That's no way to live, right? So I could, I, I addressed or I helped facilitate that conflict in a much different way than if it were something that was going to affect my school culture 10 years from now. Because those things do happen. Sometimes there's conflict or broken trust or things said that that will truly hurt your school culture 10 months from now. So the four tens rule just helps me know how big of a problem this is when there are things that need to be let go and when there are things that are going to need to be addressed. There is a lot of healthy um, responses and outcomes to conflicts by letting them go. But there's also times that you will have long-term damage if you don't have the right response. So I realize that's vague because I didn't give um, too many details there. But again, it's a it's an approach. The four tens rule is ask yourself, when and how will this matter? 
in 10 minutes, 10 months, no, 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 months, 10 years. I love that, Jen. I, I want to, you're just reminding me of something. Um, as we wrap up, I want to tell this story too, because um, as you were talking to that teacher about its effect on her individually and effect on her relationship and her effect on the school. Um, a couple of years back, I read the book, The Boys in the Boat um, by Daniel James Brown. And that movie is out. And my wife and I got to see that recently. And they do such a great job in the movie of capturing the just the essence of that story. And it's, it's so much deeper than the movie, but it's just a beautiful, the movie's beautiful. So Principal Anders listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. It's so inspiring. There are some scenes at the end, and I won't try to give anything away, but Joe Rance, who's the main character, this young working class boy from Washington State who rowing is the only way he can go to college. He's very strong, very independent. And the book does a great job of unpacking this too, is there's a point in his rowing career where he has to realize that if he doesn't abandon himself to the boat, to the other guys in this boat, and he keeps just relying on his own strength and his own power, they're never going to win mm -hmm. because these are really strong individuals. But when they, when they're able to sink together and flow together and, and, and lean into one another's strengths in a way that, you know, you find flow in a great athletic team and, um, and there's a scene at the very end where uh, I won't give it away completely, but there's just a scene where the, where the main character is now being uh, portrayed as an older man. And he's asked about what it was like to be in a, you know, an eight man boat. And he says, uh, or an eight man crew. And he said, well, there wasn't, there weren't eight, there was just one. It was the boat. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I know I'm not quoting that exactly, but I just, what as we wrap up this conversation, I just think it's important for us as leaders to remember that we all step into the situations every single day with our own individual um, perspectives and ideas and desire to protect our ego and our, our image. And we want to help other people to, to protect their dignity too. Uh, but sometimes I think we forget about the boat. You know, the, the question that we have to ask is what are we doing? Every situation we step into every conversation, how is this creating betterment for the whole of this school community. Um, because that's what it's all about. Um, it's not just about you. It's not just about that teacher. It's not just about that kid, even though they're important individually. It's about us um, because right. that's what school communities are all about. Well, exactly. And that's triggering an, an analogy that maybe we should talk more about later. But uh, there's a lot of conflict. Every school in, in across the globe, I think somebody's mad because the microwave isn't clean, right? That's That's conflict. But if someone's mad because children aren't being treated right or because the right resources aren't in place or or the school isn't safe, there's two very different reactions to that, right? Yeah. And to use what you said, let's think about the boat. And the boat is the school, you know, holding this all together, not the physical structure so much as the conceptual idea of educating children. That's what the boat is here. Well, Jen, as we wrap up, first of all, I want to encourage Principal Manners listeners, if you haven't already pre-ordered this book, go online right now and look up The Principal's Guide to Conflict Management by Jen Schwanke and get you a copy. I have my copy <laughs> that I've ordered before today's show, Jen, That's that should be arriving by the time I, this show comes out. I told listeners, I told Will, that's a good friend. You pre-ordered <laughs> before we even talked about it. Thank you for being my friend. <laughs> well, and thank you for sharing so many notes with me ahead of time, too, so that I could have a peek into this masterpiece. But I also want to mention this, Jen, because you and I love to float ideas that may 
right. be something that we want to do. And so I want to say this to principal managers, listeners, um, Jen and I were talking offline about the fact that this book has an accompanying study guide that goes through the nine chapters that Jen co- and covers here in the principal's guide to conflict management. And we were talking about how much fun would it be to gather a group of people who would want to meet regularly if they're reading the book to do kind of like a mastermind around the book right. um, to do, to do some conversations. And so instead of announcing a time and, and date and, um, and, um, and, and, and how much you would need to commit uh, to be a, a part of this. We wanted to float the idea. So if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I would be all over that if you and Jen were to offer something in the weeks or months ahead, then just send me an email at will at williamdparker.com or you can email Jen. Jen, what's your email address? Jen Schwanke at gmail.com. Yeah, so we'll either one of us just reach out. Yeah, yeah, and we can put those together. And if we've got some enough uh, interest in something like that, then we'll swing back and let you know in a future episode, how you can be a part of that uh, as an ongoing offer. So Jen Schwanke, thank you so much for- well, This was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank well, thank, you. thanks for writing another book and giving <laughs> us an opportunity to, to dive straight into the mind of the author and Principal Matters listeners. Um, thank you for the work that you do every single day. Jen, any parting thoughts as we wrap up? No, nothing else. I think I've said quite enough. Let's give their ears a break. All right. Thank you, Principal <laughs> Matters listeners. Have a great week and thanks for doing what matters. Find free resources like this one at williamdparker.com. Subscribe for our free weekly newsletter, which contains bonus material. And also check out the links for Grow Academies, Masterminds, Executive Coaching, and Keynote Presentations for my books, as well as for Principal Matters Associates. You can find out more under our Speakers tab at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together, and thank you for doing what matters.